We begin on the pink sky planet where the weepiest of characters, the little boy robot, the little boy human, and the pink girl, have a cry about the grave danger from the previous episode, and the whole Rodimus leaving thing. Maybe they don't speak Japanese either, and they also don't understand what the hell happened there. Or maybe RC is sad because Rodimus took all the other movie-era characters with him and left her behind. Then there's a party where Blaster turns into a karaoke machine, and one of the headmasters sings the theme song to the show. And then Wheelie drinks too much. Yeah, I'm going to one of those things this week. Only mine won't have as many robots. Meanwhile, in Decepticon headquarters, I think they're lamenting the loss of Galvatron in the aftermath of the aforementioned grave danger. There's no clearer indication to me that Starscream is completely dead in this continuity, because these situations are what that guy lived for. I miss you, Starscream. The guys hear a maniacal laugh, which every robot expert knows is the mating call of the wild Galvatron. But, no, it's that shadowy guy. The Emperor. Scorponok. Who saw that coming? Back on Earth, the Autobots are talking about launching one of those energy satellites that are basically giant signs that say, Decepticons, please steal and or wreck me. And naturally, Ratbat is right there to hear it all and report back with the information. I went on and on about how much of a badass Laserbeak was in the US series. Is Ratbat the new Laserbeak? I hope not, because his fucking name is Ratbat. Also, I can never forget this issue of the Marvel comic. I think I may have made this reference once before, but it doesn't hurt to be reminded. Never forget, kids. The car wash of doom was a thing that actually happened. Never forget. Soundwave gives the information to Scourge and Cyclonus, whom I'm pretty sure are building some kind of anti-Shadow Emperor faction. So this effectively makes Soundwave the new Starscream. This series is insane! Up is down, black is white, blaster is blue, anything can happen! But really the same old stuff happens because, oh look, the Decepticons are going for the energy satellite thing. Huh. Who saw that coming? Okay, let me address this specifically to people who have experienced severe head trauma. Who saw that coming? Nobody? That's what I thought. Also, you might want to go to the emergency room. That injury looks pretty serious. Another big fight happens, and I'm still not tired of them. The show has so many more big fights than the US show ever did, usually with at least one combiner, except, oh man, the fight totally distracted me from the countdown. I could have learned how to say 4, 3, 2, 1 in Japanese, which would, I assume, be a highly practical thing to know. A different group of Decepticons tries to seal the satellite thing while Sixshot does that stupid split into six guys thing. I guess since he's been outed as a sex bot, he might as well use that to his advantage. What? Sex is a Latin prefix for six. Shut up! Then Fortress Maximus's head does... something. Help me out here, show. Nope. Never mind. And could you please stop making RC some horrible combination of a mom, a nurse, and a secretary? Also no? Well, alright then. There's another fight and the satellite blows up, but then it doesn't, I guess. There's no possible dialogue I can imagine that would clarify this. But then a tank floats in space to shoot an alligator who is also in space. So I guess I shouldn't be too picky because that would have made perfect sense in the US show too. Then the Autobot headmasters blow up the satellite. Again. Maybe a sort of if we can't have it no one can sort of thing. That's basically the end except I forgot to mention that we cut to a shadowy laughing complete body of Scorponok like 12 times throughout the episode. Which, by this point, if I were a Japanese kid in 1988, I'd be throwing two or three of my six six-shot figures at the screen. Enough with the mystery already! We all know! Ultra Magnus and... I think that's Scattershot of the Technobots appear to be staring at a monitor waiting for a crisis to happen. Thankfully one does, and it's in Peru. Oh, didn't we do Peru already? 
Didn't Megatron try to tap into the power of the Earth's core using a ruby that could drill to the Earth's core and probably something else that involves the Earth's core? And those guys try to drill to the Earth's core a lot. Then we cut to two old people, a kid, and his donkey. And the thing I was enjoying the most about this series was apart from the Witwicky family, we've seen almost no humans. Don't regress on me now, Headmasters. You guys get that robots are the cool part, not the boring humans. That's a thing that certain modern live-action directors still don't seem to grasp. <laughs> then the kid, uh, hmm, I think this is what Kevin Smith refers to as interspecies erotica. Thankfully, the Earth splits open mysteriously. Good. This is what happens, kid. Don't be weird. Then we cut around to various headquarters while various conversations are happening. I don't know. I still don't speak Japanese. However, thanks to the existence of a narrator in this constant cutting around, I'm pretty sure that surukuru means meanwhile. So that's one word down, tens of thousands to go. Then, oh man, it's those animal dudes again. You know, the ones I told you guys not to tell me who they were and then a bunch of you did anyway? Yeah, those ones. And then, ooh, the dormant volcano mysteriously erupts. So long, Peru. So long, weird kid with the unsettling relationship with the donkey. Somebody realizes it's been ten minutes since a combiner fight, so Predaking fights whatever the train bots merge into. I'd ask you not to tell me what his name is, but you never listen to me. There are more cool fights than Ultra Magnus stands around pinching his chin for a while. Like you do. My man, bird, whatever, Laserbeak is still doing that thing he does. Then we go back to Decepticon HQ where some kind of scheming or something is going on. Jesus, there's a lot going on in this episode, and yet simultaneously it doesn't seem like much of anything is happening. I guess the best thing for a mysteriously erupting, recently dormant volcano is a flying train. As far as I can tell, every problem in this series can be solved either by switching heads or by flying a train around. Which, admittedly, is an improvement over smokescreen shtick from the US series. Then that stupid shadow guy catches on fire while he's talking about plasma or something. And then that kid is chasing Daniel around with his donkey. Then the Decepticon headmasters emerge because someone has to punish that kid for his weird donkey thing. It's just really unsettling! And there's a lot more talking. And all I can tell you for absolute certain is that none of them is saying meanwhile. Sometimes the titles give me a clue as to what might be happening in a particular episode, but since everyone is constantly yelling, HEADS ON, this doesn't help me at all. The Autobot head guys are flying around in their space fortress. I guess the flying train was busy on some other vital mission. They appear to be talking about Galvatron. Lots of people appear to be talking about Galvatron in these last few episodes, which is kind of weird since he's supposed to be dead or something. Then we cut to the land of curved buildings, and I think some monsters happen, but my tracking went weird so I'm not sure. Yes, once again, I'm aware that this show is available on DVD. I stand by my VHS tapes like a hipster clings to vinyl, for no very good reason. The police rush in to stop the- oh yeah, it's some kind of plant monster. None of this, you will also note, is a robot. Damn it. Since the headmasters are out in space, this must be a job for, well, a bunch of combiners. But let's take bets on who's going to take the lead on this one. Ooh, actually, they fight Bruticus, who reveals that he has a lightsaber, making him somehow even cooler. But the train bots have one too, so naturally they win. Oh, they would have won anyway. While it's always nice to have the old guys hanging around, the battles always fall to the new hotness. Okay, I- alright, actually I spoke too soon. The train bots are actually having some trouble, which forces Ultra Magnus to put a call out to the other new hotness. So the headmasters look up that monster plant thing on Wikipedia and scroll down to the section marked Known Weaknesses. But they're thwarted by their greatest nemesis yet! Citation needed! Surukuru, God, I hope that's what that actually means. Daniel finishes his dinner and runs out to play. And here comes Wheelie, because of course. I think that, much like in the US, the producers of this show thought that kids needed some kind of audience identification character, not realizing that giant fucking robots with laser beams and lightsabers are enough to hold their attention. 
A monster plan appears and attempts to consume Wheelie and Daniel, but unfortunately it fails. Daniel stares thoughtfully at the seed packet and, oh god, if he solves this mystery before the robots do, I quit. He does work out that throwing rocks at them really pisses them off, which is more like the kind of scientific conclusion I would expect from a young boy. There are more plant fights in various locations, which I find exceptionally boring. Sorry, sci-fi movies and every cartoon I've ever seen, I don't find plants scary. I mean, I don't like getting caught in thorns, and Venus flytraps are a little creepy, but overall, plants are probably the most boring adversary you can think of. Except for maybe Mark Twain in that one Star Trek episode. <sighs> for some reason, Fortress Maximus just kind of floats there while he's being attacked. Come to think of it, he hasn't hits on at any point in this series. Maybe he's a pacifist like in the US series? Maybe it takes too much energy for him to hits on! I'm sure there's an answer, and I'm sure you're dying to tell me. I'm gonna assume it's because he's ashamed of his third nipple that he has in robot form, and you'll never convince me otherwise. Uh, okay, never mind. Apparently he had a sword jammed in an uncomfortable spot, because once that's pulled out, he transformed- I mean, head on! And the sword that was jammed in him is now in his hand. He easily defeats the plant guys because he's a flying robot space fortress with a sword! That's fucking why! Then he goes back into space, and Mr. Shadowy Guy watches the footage that we just saw again. Yep. That's a big robot with a big sword, all right. Excellent powers of deduction there, old bean. Maybe this will inspire him to do... something? Anything? I mean, it's only been 13 episodes, take your time. 